Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kia welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod on Sky Sport and RugbyPass.com. And boy, oh boy, did we have a golden weekend of Super Rugby. The boys are fizzing. James Parsons is fizzing. Bryn Hall is fizzing because he got a win in overtime. And it was just an amazing time. Tell me, both of you, start with you, actually, Bryn, seeing as you won it. Are you a fan of Golden Point Extra Time? Well, obviously, we were very fortunate to come on the, the good side there. But um, look, I think as a consumer, it's pretty, if you look at the, the two results, both going to Golden Points, it's, it's pretty spectacular watching if you're a viewer. So, you know, we we're fortunate enough that Davey got the, uh, got, the, got the drop goal in the last few minutes. But, um, you know, I, I even look at the... Um, the Chiefs game and Anto Leonard Brown getting the position for win, the golden point for Damo to try and get that kick in the end. So, no, it adds, it, adds, it adds to it. And I think actually, probably in our game, the positioning of winning the coin toss was massive. Uh, it was a bit windy in, in, in Wellington. So, to be able to get those, um, to win the toss and to be able to have a preference of which way you go, I think it is a massive um, event on who you know has the advantage going to that kind of back end of the game. Coin toss. So, we're talking about getting field position over over the ball. Yeah, so did, did you choose to kick off or did you choose direction? No, we, lo- we lost the toss. We lost the toss and James Blackwell, um, he ended up deciding which way to go. But it's quite funny, in the if you're watching from where we were watching, the wind actually changed in the last probably 10, 15 minutes where when we were, the way we were going in the in the golden point, we actually ended up having the wind. So whereas in the first set, first and second half, it was going the one other way, away from the changing room, but which way we were going... It ended up changing the last probably 10, 20 minutes. So for us, it was messy. This, the way I saw it in both games, the team that kicked off, actually both of them got the first lick at trying to win it first. Mm. Obviously, mm. the Highlanders sprayed it wide and then the Chiefs went down and, and they, they won it through that turnover of Anton. And then you guys, obviously, mm. with the charge down through Dunshay and, and then Havili. So... It felt like that field position of kicking off is actually more of the priority so that, you know, the team, you can put that exit pressure on and then you potentially get yourself in a position where you can work towards the drop goal or at least put that pressure of maybe forcing a penalty or something like that. Uh, that, that toss is massive when it comes to that, that golden point. It was really interesting I listening to the conversation in the Highlanders game where Aaron Smith was asking the ref, OK, what does this actually mean? Summing it up, watching his brain go over it and go, actually, we want them to have the ball at that end. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I think it's a little bit different, obviously, down south when there's no wind. Um, but I think you, your point's pretty crucial around there because I think if you 
if you end up kicking it long and if you do have a breeze, um, it's actually really hard to get out. And, you know, I felt sorry for obviously the placement halfback that came on and Mitchell Dunshay, who's done that a lot for us this year, putting pressure on box kicks. Um, it's really hard. It, it takes away that pressure for us. So you kick it long, you're in the deep end zone. And you, if you can make a play like that, a charge down, or if they do, if they want to run it out two or three or four phases, you've got an opportunity then to get a, a breakdown penalty or you put a back order pressure on them trying to get out of the exit zone. So we were fortunate enough that that happened and then um, we were fortunate enough that uh, Davey ended up getting that drop goal in the end. But yeah, it's, um, it was really good. You know, the first time it's happened and what a great way to do it, two, two games in a row. Yeah, I, I, I get your point that you feel for him, but I might just come in to defend him because I commentated a few games of his when he played for counties. He's got a big, big future, Roy Gard. I think he's, um, you know, he's a live wire. We spoke about him earlier in the year when we were talking about that battle for the Hurricanes nine, and I was really excited to see him going. He, look, he made a good fist of it, you know, the the charge down the side. So, and I think the game, you know, probably should have been put to bed. To be fair. Uh, before going to gold, golden points. So I don't think it all falls on his shoulders. And it was a big play uh, by Mitch Dunshay and, and someone that's fighting for a spot, you know, two All Blacks, senior All Blacks playing really well. And, uh, and you know, your captain in Barrett and um, the ex-captain in, in Whitelock, um, you know, he's, he's putting his hand up. And Quinton Strange, where's he? Is he fit and available for selection? I mean, the depth is, uh, is pretty impressive in, in that second row there at the Crusaders. Yeah, he is, man. I think Quinny um, picked up injury a couple of weeks ago, but now nah, he's he's wearing and ready to go. And look, at, I think it just comes back to the competition. You know, you've got two outstanding All Blacks that are that are playing really well, Scooter and and Sammy Whitelock, and you know Mitchell Dunshay coming off the bench. He's been outstanding. There's been a lot of times in our games where he's actually ended up getting um, points for us after the games with his performances because of how well he's played off the bench. And um, again, we've got Quinton Stranger who was selected in their All Blacks team last year in front of Mitchell. Uh, but then again, the competition with those two boys, um, you've got to be on your job because, again, if you get given that opportunity, you know, a guy like Quinn who's, who's played really well and, um, you know, was was based and put in the All Blacks last year, um, he's just unfortunately hasn't had the opportunity due to a lock stocks at the moment and how well they're playing. Let's talk about the drop goal because I remember at a moment, Richie Moonga ended up at the bottom of a ruck and you guys are in the right end of the field and I was thinking to myself, oh, no, he's the wrong guy at the bottom, have the bottom of the ruck. Next thing you know, the ball's in David Harvey's hands and I was like, Oh, actually, geez, that, that guy can do it too. And then next thing you know, he slots it. What is the thinking there? Was that just a, hey, we've got two guys who can do this so we get into position and get one of them in the right place? Yeah, I think ideally we would have loved to have Richie in that, in that position. But again, I think it was good realisation and heads up play from Davey, understanding that um, that Richie wasn't available there. And then you know, I thought Drummy did a really good job of being able to, to manage that. And um, our forwards did really well just to be engaged and to give the perception that we were going to run the ball. And then it gave Davey that little bit more time where um, he wasn't under that much pressure and actually had a really good look, being able to get the ball with time. And again, with that time, he was able to get a really good strike and you know, went pretty much straight through the middle. Man, I give you guys too much credit. I was sitting there going, oh, that's so smart. They're sending Richie up there. Makes the Hurricanes think, oh, well, their, their natural drop kick is in that ruck. They've planned to put Harvelli in there because he's probably practised the drop kick. This is what I'm thinking yeah. is I'm on the couch and it's not even that at all. <laughs> Eh? No, I, I wish I could, could back that up, mate. But um, no, it wasn't. It was just a heads-up play. And, um, you know, you do go through those kind of situations throughout the year. And, um, I, again, you want to have Richie, who's probably done a lot for us at training. But, again, Davey's got a great skill set around his, his kicking game. And, and we slotted in really nicely, but obviously with, with Richie being down on the ground. I think I think that's his personality, though, isn't it? Davey Harvilli, he, he's sort of the guy that will just take it on. 
that sort of challenge and step up and he's that relaxed sort of um, customer. And I think it goes to show, I suppose, what he means to your team, how quick you all swarm to him. And he was just in the middle of that celebration. It was, it was a pretty um, special moment for how hard you guys fought back to get that result because, again, quite a high error rate for, for you guys um, and, and something that I no doubt you, you'll be looking at. Um, but that, that ability to fight back, another massive defensive error, um, and a massive defensive effort, high tackle count, um, you know, desperate um, to get back and, and work for each other, similar to what we spoke about the week before. Um, and then the way you swarmed to, to him, it was, oh, it, was, it was good to watch. Yeah, it is. And I think it's, it's good because I think Davey has that kind of personality where uh, he enjoys those big moments. And, you know, I look at that final last year um, for Tasman when he, when he played against Auckland. He was a guy that really stood up in, in those kind of moments. And he loves being in that moment. You know, Richie's, Richie talks about it a lot. He loves thriving in big games like that. And I think Davey's exactly the same. He loves being the, uh, a person that's in that moment to be able to step up for the team. You know, he loves the team. He loves Tassie and he loves being a crusader. And that's probably a reason why, you know, he's our vice captain and, you know, playing out of position as well. He hasn't played in 12 and been able to make those decisions selflessly for the team. And he's put himself in a really good position, I think, to be in the conversation for the midfielders. I think with his performances, not only on the weekend, but throughout the duration of the competition. So, no, he's massive for us, Jip. And, um, you know, we're really looking forward to, to seeing how he goes throughout the year for us. Is it his rugby IQ that sets him apart? Because one of the things I noticed in that game was whenever there was a break, whenever there was a ball put in behind, the person who's there cleaning it up is David Harvili. Like, he's seeing things ahead of everybody else. Um, oh, bits and pieces. I think his, his preparation is massive around that. Um, he does his due diligence through the week where um, he's really clear. And then his biggest biggest attribute is when he's decisive, that's when he makes really good decisions. And those things that you talk about, it's, it's not luck. Just coming up with where he's around the ball. He's very similar to Will Jordan. Will Jordan has that kind of um, ability as well to be around the ball. But, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing with Dave is it's been that transition from fullback to coming into second five, which I think has been massive for him. Um, it's been great for our team. And the greatest thing that I think that Davey has is he has the all-round game. He's got a great distribution skills. He's got a great kicking game, um, subtle touches, and he's got really good decision-making under pressure, which if you're looking at attributes for, for a 12, um, it's, at the level, those are the kind of attributes that you need and, and look he, he played that a lot when he was younger yes he was successful probably the last three four years being, out, being a fullback um, making that transition but you know he's, he's got that understanding and a, has a pretty good knowledge around what it takes to be a 12 because he played it early in his career at Tasman and early, earlier at the Crusaders and again it's just going to take him time to be able to understand to get back in the saddle to what it is to be a 12 but I think all those three things that I've just talked about has been a massive influence in our, in our game this year but do you think his fullback, his ability for the fullback, because he seems to have a, a, a knack of getting that backfield cover for those short kicking games, and, and he does, he sort of preempts it. Is that just because of his natural ability to understand that backfield positioning and where the difficult spots are for that kick area? And, and you know, it's hard to get there for a nine or it's hard for a fullback when he's a little bit deeper positioned or, you know, sometimes you, your, your wingers like to be quite high a lot of the time he almost preempts and drops back into that, those sort of challenging areas where they were dropping little chip kicks in yesterday and he catches things on the full, but he's making those movements early as he sees them shaping the kick. It was, it was, he, was, he was impressive in that all-round ability defensively yesterday. 
Yeah, I think it does, Jim. I think, you know, having that ability to have a pretty good understanding of what that pigeon looks like within our team. And I guess the having George Bridge back as well with the communication skills really helps with that as well. So we've talked about a lot on this podcast around um, the understanding of everybody has a job to do in that pendulum, whether you're a winger, nine, fullback, and have an understanding around that. And the thing with Dave is that he preempts things and he sees it he sees it play out. Um, and that doesn't take – it's not really um, something that comes natural to some people. But for Davey, he's just got a good understanding with rugby IQ and, and seeing people's traits, whether that's someone that's really flat or they're – Showing their, showing their hand a little bit more with um, being able to be a bit deeper or flatter with little kicks. So I think it's an understanding of being in that positioning as a fullback and having an understanding of what the wingers are looking for and then again having the conversations with the midfielders and being in that position now where the space could be vulnerable for our team. So does him playing at 12 help him make the All Blacks stripper? I think so. I, I, I wrote on my book yesterday 10, 12, 13, 11, 14, 15. Mm. I feel those are all positions he can cover and play um, so it, it has to there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, warrant a, a squad selection, you know, like if you're a player that, I know 10's a push, but he has played 10 at, at, at minor 10 cup level and he has played 10 for the Crusaders I think, but he does even <laughs> slot in at first receiver a lot. But all those other positions, I know 13, not as much, but he potentially might get a run there now that, um, you know, I don't know what Jack's injury is like, but if he, if he doesn't come back in time. So I, I just think he just has the ability to play across that back line, only, only barring one and a half back, but I'm sure he could probably make a good fist of that as well. So I think having that ability to cover that many positions, he has to be a squad member for sure, and the ability that he's shown for so long to play at a high standard. It's not just this year. He's done it for a long time. The only thing that slowed him down is injuries and then, you know, the unfortunate, um, you know, thing that happened to him last year that slowed him up as well. So, you know, you'd have to think he's, he's right in contention to, to be in that all-black mix. He's got a lot of Charles Piertau about him. You know, um, having all of those skills. One of the things with Charles Piertau is like, how do you fit him into the 23? Where does he go within this 23? You want him somewhere, but how? Where do you think, Bryn, he fits into an all-black 23? Well, I think versatility is a, a massive part of that. And I think, you know, with the, the, if you're especially number 23, you need to have the ability to play multiple positions. So, you know, traditionally, you've got a guy that can play centre or winger. But the biggest thing that Dave has is that he can play across all all positions, like, like um, you alluded to, Jip. So, 
I think having that versatility in a, in a squad with a, you know, it warrants a, a starting spot at 12. Who knows? You know, don't know what, what's going to happen through the um, rugby championship and who's going to be selected. But I think the fact that he can play multiple positions, um, it's going to help for him being able to be that number 23 or he might even get his merits on, on starting through, through his performances. Could you afford to have him and Damien McKenzie on the bench together if you needed, you know, an out-and-out 10 cover if McKenzie was the second-best option yep. there at 10? I think so. I think Damien's starting to really show he can come into a game late in that in that ten spot, especially if you're given the platform. I know we're jumping to games here, and we'll we'll get to the other game. But the Chiefs are really starting to get back to that dominant breakdown, and when they're playing flat and fast, he he really comes into his own, and, and he's starting to really get some confidence and light things up, and and he's getting his distribution game going. If you look at Angus Tarvel's try, um, you know, and and, and you know, probably what we saw, I know it was a match winner against the Blues, but it was probably on to distribute there. But he's starting to grow and grow in confidence, and that ball he gave to Angus was another step forward into that sort of 10 pivot role when he gets on that front foot. If he was to be a 12 at test level, the person I suppose he has to get it over is Nani Lamape right now. Nani had a hell of a game. I'm glad he backed, <laughs> I'm glad he backed up our chat. <laughs> I mean, we, we pumped him up and he, and he delivered for us. He just ran with purpose. I, I, I use his try as the example. You know, he came back on that line and he, no one was stopping him. He was scoring that try. There was, there was crusader bodies there to stop him. But he, and I think it's his emotion he shows after scoring what that team means to him. Um, and, and their leaders across the ball, Colsey, um, Artie was massive, you know, Nani was massive, I thought Julian was massive, Geordie Barrett was massive again, um, you know, but between Nani and Geordie, the pressure they took off Young Love, huge, mm. I thought, and even and Campbell to, a, to a, an extent as well. They really just owned it. Their leaders just owned that game and really put the pressure on a quality Crusaders side, and, and, and that's what I meant, you know, when Nani scored... It was like the five of them got together and said, if we own this and deliver, the rest will follow. And, and it just looked like they were men-possessed. And he he certainly was on all cylinders. And he has been all season. I mean, that's why we spoke in depth last week. But uh, again, backed up with a, with a big performance. The other guy that I really liked, and, and because of Nani's form, and we're starting to see why he warranted All Black selection, was Umanga Jensen. Starting to see those unders line again, Bryn. I don't know if you noticed it, but just before Jack got injured, that late undercut, and, and that's what we started noticing, and that's how he got those all-black selection. And again, he was he was doing it late in the game, and we're starting to see him he him find form. So he then has to come back into the midfield selection mix as well. And he's got a great link game. He knows how to have those subtle touches on attack and defensively. Sometimes the, their rush D wasn't as connected as past weeks. I know I've spoken at length, you know, positively about their D. Um, I think Cody Taylor threw an amazing ball to set up Bridges' second try, which, you know, if, if you are short of centre, he could probably play centre. <laughs> um, he's playing that well at the moment. But apart from that, they were, you know, defensively they are, you know, really sound, those two. But I think the, the ability... And the, I suppose the leadership and the follow me attitude Nani's happening is bringing the best out of the people around him as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's into everything good and bad, eh? And, and I think people like that about him. Yeah. Oh, he just wants, he want, he wants the Hurricanes to do well. He wants it really bad. And I don't think he can knock that. I think the great thing that you brought up there, Jeff, was the distribution ability. Like, 
I think Nani obviously talked around his try and he won it on his one and nobody's really stopping him um, from our team. But I think the subtle touches that you've talked around, um, we know that he's a ball, he's a ball player, he's a ball carrier, but a little subtle touch to, to Peter Umang Jensen into that space. Nice. You know, yeah. we had David Harvilli and Richie were thinking obviously he's going to carry and then Jack had to come in from a long way and he gave that little, little, little touch to obviously go through and that's where Jack got injured. But, it's that subtle play of, you know, I'm a, you're going to think I'm going to ball carry. I'm going to give that nice little tip because I've got two players on me and I'm going to put someone else through. And that's what you need from the 12 at the next level, which we talked about a lot, Jip. But yeah. I think one thing that the Hurricanes did really well as well, you talked around their line speed. They put us under a lot of pressure. Like, again, there were a couple of times where there was actually a lot of space outside. Their wingers got really high and shut it off Richie and Davey a lot where there was actually probably 20, 30 metres with metres if we ended up getting it over the top, but we couldn't. Um, and that probably actually learned it went into a lot of turnovers like our breakdown wasn't great you know we had a lot of opportunities where we were getting them behind them but then you know our cleaners were winning the race and we were just getting a little bit behind and we're stunting our momentum through the breakdown pressure that we got so I think we gave away 14 penalties and we had 22 turnovers which isn't you know some characteristic for us but it seems to be a common trend that we're just not winning at the moment and so we talk around being ruthless and being able to build pressure we're just letting teams off the hook because um, our breakdown's probably just killing us a little bit more due to that pressure, I think, on the weekend with those um, Hurricanes boys getting so high and being able to let us go back inside when we were getting hunted. I just loved how late Moanga was playing. Like, he's ball in two hands. Um, I've got it here. Sorry, bear with me. 37th minute. He's ball in two hands and he's almost getting tackled and he puts it onto the foot for Sevu to chase. And if Sevu didn't give that penalty away when he, I think he pushed Barrett early or something. But if you go back and watch that, it's, it's incredible how, he is, he's getting tackled and he's deciding to kick it. And he's still got the ability to pass it as well. You know, that isn't like, that's hard for defenders. You, you know, the, the wing is having to commit because he's been tackled. Yep. So you think he's not going to get this kick away and he gets the kick away and Sevu's you know, putting great pressure on and the lateness and his ability to have ball in two hands, he's also got the strength of a fend. I mean, he, he's playing as top of his game and, and also when he's injecting into the line and punching between defenders and you know, getting those big cutout passes, I, you know, although it wasn't as clinical as you boys would like, there's so many parts to your game that are going really well. And, and then you've got that fight. You know, we talk positively about the Hurricanes as well. There's so much, you know, that is going well for you boys to stay in this contest when, yeah, it's a high error rate, but to fight your way back from that. And, you know, Richie talks, you know, Richie talks about wanting the big moment and, you know, and the big occasion. And, you know, when he, when he does that, when it's the big test match, to me, a performance like yesterday to orchestrate to come back and when it's, you know, it's not front foot wall, it's a little bit more bobbled, and he really has to chuck the team on the back, that for me is, that, that was a great performance for me. Like, I thought he was, he was exceptional. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jip. And that's, the, that's probably, we're lucky that we have him, have him down here because I think, again, in those moments in, in big games where, again, we didn't have it all our own way, we had a lot of, a lot of errors, a few penalties against us, uh, against us, um, it's similar situations like that where he's he's a triple threat. You don't know if he's going to kick, if he's going to run, if he's going to pass. All those options are what you're thinking when you're defending him. So you know, for us, moving forward, you know, we want to be able to give him as many opportunities as we can to be able to you know have those opportunities. I look at that second try when we talked about it a lot with him out running out the back, and then he gave that ball and Cody Taylor 
did a great um, great pass to be able to put the ball away. But again, the more opportunities that we can put him into space like that, it's it's hard to defend. You know, I look at look at Damo. Damo was very similar on the weekend when he when he set up that try for um obviously set up that try for Angus. Yeah, they ended up running that shape that they've got. They've got that dummy cut and they've hit they, they hit Jacobson off that because he was running running at pace. And then the second phase hit it off the off the nine and then he got out the back. And then he hit he hit Gus. So, you know, whenever you can get guys like that have that have the ability to be a triple threat, um, it's always tough. But I guess our challenge for us moving forward is to be able to win our breakdown. Like I've said, we're, we're giving a lot away, um, stunting a lot of our momentum due to our, our poor breakdown. So, we're running against a pretty good Chiefs team that again are really good at the breakdown. So, you know, if we don't get that right, then we're not going to give Richie or a lot of our guys that, are, that play really well with front football. Let's look at the opposition ten. Ruben Love, nineteen year old. Prefers fullback in the most part, from what I've read. Goes in at 10 in his first game and immediately looks like he's the kind of guy who's got the confidence to make this happen. Yeah, he's, he certainly definitely had the confidence. I spoke about Nani and Jordi taking the pressure off him, which was great. The one thing I liked from what I saw is when he made that break up the middle of the field, it, it showed to me that he'd done his homework and his prep. The fact that he'd made a great line break and it would have been so easy to go, I'm in open space, this is my chance to shine. But he put it on the boot and we spoke about Mitch Hunt's kicking game against the Crusaders last week, putting it in behind them in the 22, trying to put that territory pressure on. And he put it on the boot and the exact same thing. You know, they, they put it on, it went out. And, it, you know, for me, that was smarts. You know, mm. rather than getting overawed by the big occasion, first start... And that's when I thought, you know, he's, he'll go a long way because he's got the ability to stay composed on a starting debut in a big moment. It was early on in the game yeah. and, and it was a bobbled ball and he took off and it could have easily you know, been a moment where he tried to do something too much, but he just took the option that obviously had been prepared really well during the week and nailed it. And I thought that was a telling moment for me of where he he was at as, as a player and his head was at. And then the other one was how willing he was prepared to throw his body on a loose ball. You know, it shows a lot about a character of a player, I reckon, if you're prepared to dive on a loose ball. He's not a big body. And, you know, there was a lot of other, you know, red jerseys trying to go for the same ball. And he was prepared to, you know, put, it, put his body on the line. So there, there was a lot to like about what he put out there. He didn't get to touch the ball as much as he'd like, I'd, I'd say. Um, but that was that was a strategy, I think, of, of where they wanted to go, and it was working for them, so they, they stuck with it. Is that what you expected from him? Yeah, obviously, we didn't know too much about him, but again, we're pretty lucky that we've got Tommy Ellison with us, and um, he gave us a few insights around what, what his common trends are. But I think the biggest thing that I enjoyed about him, and Chip has um, you know, brought up some really good points, but his ability to attack the line and to really, impo- to really ask questions of us defensively, and... There's a play they didn't actually end up scoring from. It was probably just before half time. We ended up holding up the ball and we, they didn't score points off that. But you've got a team that can really attack the line and, and imposes questions. And I'm not not to say that obviously Auburn Ledger didn't do, didn't do that in his time there. But I just found that Ruben really attacked the line and asked us questions where we actually had to we had to hold ourselves and actually count him as a defender, um, count him as an attacker. Sorry. And so um, Chip has alluded to all those points around him making really good decisions in his kicking game and. I think the fact that Geordie and Nani and Luke Campbell as well, you talked around Chip, actually took a lot of pressure off him and actually helped with him with that game management. And I think probably moving forward, um, you know, it's not traditionally his, his position that he plays, but if those guys can keep continue to make um, good decisions around him and let him express himself when it comes to that attacking ability, and no doubt we'll see that more coming forward if he, if he is selected at 10 because I think having that ability, like 
no different from Richie um, and Damon on the weekend, having a team that can take the ability and ask questions of the defense at the line um, opens up a lot of opportunities for other players to be able to go, go through as well. And if he wants game time, he's going to have to accept that he's going to have to play at 10 because Jordy Barrett's not moving from fullback. No, he's not. But he, he does look quite comfortable at first receiver a lot of the time too. Mm. So he, he's, he's going between the two, similar to Damo. And, and they are quite, you know, you know, a transfer role like these days. Um, you know, Josh Uwani and, and Mitch Hunt go between the two when they're both on the field as well. So it's pretty like for like. Mm. During the Hurricanes' best years with Bowden obviously there, one of their strengths was the ability to take on the line. At, at a moment's notice oh. and go. And, and when that went missing, it kind of hamstrung them for a couple of years. Exactly. And I think Bryn's key point there was you have to defend him. And the reason you have to defend him is the pace. So it's when you've got that speed and they can just take off and go, you, you can't afford to not be on them. So it's when they're flat and fast and if they've got the ability to just go on you, you, you can't be switched off. And I think Ruben Love's got that that edge of speed about him and he can he can really leave you looking silly if you don't stay on him and I suppose that's probably to Bryn's point as you, as a defender you just have to be wary of him and if you if you just switch off for a second or you're more worried about the person outside him he'll he'll take you on because he is courageous mm. uh, he is that's one thing I picked up is he's he's full of courage and and, he, and he'll back himself one of the things about when management picks a 19 year old though is that how do you manage it? Because he's going to have a good game, then he's going to have a bad game, he's going to learn some lessons. Yeah. Bryn, how does their management look after him best over the, next, over the rest of this year? Well, I think the biggest thing is that they've done it before. You know, what I mean by that is if you look at TJ Perinari and Bowden Barrett when they first came in, you know, they just finished under the 20s and, um, you know, they gave them they gave them the keys to the, to the ship, to the, to the car, sorry. And so what that means is that, you know, they're probably not, we might, don't know how long Garden Bishop's out and obviously Simon Hickey's going to be out for the rest of the year. So, He's probably actually going to have a lot of time in the setup to be able to to learn and to, to go through those 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 experiences. And the biggest thing is that he's just you just back him, keep backing him. And I think for the fact that if you give him that confidence, then you're going to get some moments like he did on the weekend where we've talked about his speed and his ability to take the ball to the line. But then you know you don't obviously game management wise, there might be a few mistakes that happen. But that just comes part and parcel with time in the saddle. So I think they've they've done it in that in that club before with TJ and Bodie and just been able to give them the give them the keys to the car and then you can just let them run with it and you know I guess the teething problems that will come with it you just take it for what it is and especially with a guy like Ruben who's probably got who's only had one game at first five but you know if that's his first game at first five I'd hate to think what it's going to be like you know 10, 15, 15 games in so I think give him the confidence be able to play it um, take him give him the learnings that he needs to with his game but and just let him express himself and he'll figure it out um, with the more games he plays. Um, now, the other guy who was epic for them on the weekend was Adi Savia. And gutsy. So gutsy. I mean, he looked like he was down and out. He was thumping the floor. You know, who knows what that injury is or how long it might or might not keep him out if it um, does, in fact, does keep him out. What do you do with Adi Savia in that kind of form, playing on a bung, whatever it is? Uh, well, we discussed all about captaincy a week ago. And, uh, you know, we talked about first year as Kane's captain, but a performance like that and the want and desire that he had for that team, you know, puts him right in the mix there. You know, maybe an all-black leadership role, you know, a, a fill-in, you know, while Sam's away potentially. Like, I, I don't know. That was that was a man possessed. Uh, his work at the breakdown, his, his work around the field off the ball, 
um, his carries, his post-contact metres, his, um, his quick hook-and-go work. Now, I, I think they needed to use this more. They used it early in the game. It was a quick hook-and-go, and, and he made, you know, 20, 25 metres open side. And, you know, I've spoken about Hoskins and the way the Blues have used it. And you know, they use it a little bit at test match level. Probably haven't used as much as they could this year. It would be good to see that. Um, but when they have, like, it's been effective. And then, sorry, Bryn, but they used it again blindside um, against you and it ended up leading to Wes Houston's try. And, and it is. It's hard to defend because it's like you've got all your systems and it's like you see the ball go in and the next minute it's, they're there. And you're like, oh, sh-, you know, you like... It's a, it's a weapon because it's a weapon because it takes a weapon away from the Crusaders because the scrum is the Crusaders' weapon. And, you know, they started the game taking that away from them and then they, you know, spiced it up a little bit later. So, you know, his all-round performance was great. The tactic around the scrum was great. You know, his line-out work's really improving. And, you know, his captaincy, his captain's challenge, the way he's discussing with the ref, his tone... Is exceptional. You know, he, he's really grown that part of his captaincy as well. For, you know, really quickly, and it looks like he's you know he's just naturally doing it, and it's not that hard a job for him. And and maybe it's something he probably should have done a lot earlier because he, he does look like a natural captain. I don't know how you feel, Bryn, but that's that's my take on it. That game really stamped a mark for me on on Artie and where. His, his, I suppose, future captaincy can go. And, and he, I think he's going to be a long-term captain in New Zealand the, the length of stay he has here. Yeah, I think you're right, Jeff. I think you talk around those, those scrum opportunities. It's just it's so hard to defend. And I seem like I'm going to be a, um, a mem for him my whole career because he just keeps getting... <laughs> it's, probably playing, my, but... it's probably my fault for saying you got him three times in the last game. <laughs> and I was, I, was, I was celebrating. Well, that's I mean, honestly it's a guy like that. He just, you know, those kind of those kind of scrum situations where um, he can. Well, that scenario was a little bit different. They were kind of wheeled, and he ended up coming my way. But I know the one you're talking about around the first the first scrum opportunity where it was a quick hook, and he got on the outside, and actually Ruben Love ended up getting the ball and making little um, inroads there. And so, again, it's re- it's really hard to defend. You've got such a, a great ball player like that, and you know, I think for us. He's like you're talking about his leadership, Jip, and you know he was consistently in the air of the ref. He and, was. You know, it was awesome this... to see. It was, was man. I think for us, you know, as a player, it's you know, frustrating. It was. It was just you know, very frustrating. <laughs> it was frustrating, but you know, you're talking about leadership style and have been able to be a tone and be able to understand of how the game's going and be able to communicate to the ref. He's been doing that. He did that really well on the weekend. And for us, it was for me it just as you know, be able to watch watch it play out in front of me. It was frustrating, um, and you obviously you don't think about it too much. But again, when you've got that captain that can make decisions and talk to the ref in a tone that's going to benefit your team, you know it adds to how good you are as a leader. And so, you know, for me, what kind of symbolised that game for me was after when he when he came off, and I know he was he had his, his knee strapped and he was hobbling off, and you know the whole captain was was giving him a standing ovation, and that kind of just symbolised performance on the weekend. It was tough. Um, it was just a performance where, you know, you want your captain and you want the captain to play like that. And so, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, it isn't serious because, um, you know, for, for the Hurricanes, they need him and he's been doing great things for them. But I think at the next level with how he's playing, especially with Sam Kane going out and having his injury, he's probably our number one seven moving forward. So, you know, fingers crossed, it's not it's not too bad because um, the performance like the, he has on the weekend, 
And that's only going to add if he gives them that chance at the all-back level when with that sand cane being out. Yeah, fingers crossed, because that's the kind of performance that for a guy like that is iconic within his team, Wouldn't... iconic within his franchise. It's a Richie with a broken foot, you know, um, yeah. players with a broken rib, torn scrotum level. Uh, you know, I, like, I was going to say, was it the walking. performance of, of the campaign so far? Yeah. Across all the games, probably by an individual. Considering, I mean, the there's been some great, there. there's there's been some great games, but I think most people thought the Crusaders would bounce back, you know, viciously, and that the Hurricanes, you know, just got together with their five key leaders, and and the five of them were awesome, but he was right at the pointy end of that triangle. It was a hell of a game. It was, it was a great entertaining. game. Entertaining. Oh, it was a great game. This episode of the Aotearoa Rugby Pod is brought to you by Manscaped, the Lawnmower 3.0. It's version 3 of their system to make sure you don't get nicks and scrapes and tugging and all the things that could affect you when you're cleaning up downstairs. If you go to manscaped.com, use the, the code RUGBY, you'll get 20% off. Use that code and you'll always have the right tools to do the job. Boys, this weekend, any hairy moments for you in Sky Super Rugby? Oh, I reckon Colsey got this turnover and he, he came up quite happy and it looked like Dave Harvilli and he had a few kind words out there, Bryn. I don't know if you were close to it, but I don't know if uh, you'd want to get on the wrong side of Colsey if, if, if you were uh, Davey. No, there was some nice length. There was some nice words there between the two. I can't um, <laughs> say on here what it was, but um, probably two guys that were just, uh, yeah, seen locking eyes and really enjoying themselves in that moment. Both oh, it was great. It was great viewing. The, the Sky Camera crew did, did wonders for my enjoyment on the couch. <laughs> uh, one was actually um, Paul Williams, unfortunately, on the, the wrong side of Alex um, Vito. Oh, yeah, um, I did see that. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> part of the game. I think we actually ended up getting a penalty from it, but yeah, he um, obviously wasn't looking on his on his blinkers on his blind side, and yeah, he actually got um, got put put got put down pretty badly. But like the tough character Paul Paul is, who's up and having a big wee smile, but um, yeah, obviously a little bit of a hairy moment for, for him. Maybe he might get a um, get a manscaped kit for A hundred percent, a very hairy moment. Now, just like our Toto Super Rugby, sometimes you've got to know ninety minutes and. With the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, 90 minutes of battery life can get you right through if you've really got a lot to get through, boys. A lot to get through in 90 minutes. Brenner? <laughs> well, look, enough to have that, you know. 90 minutes, jeez, what a, what a treat. Absolute treat to 90 minutes of your battery power. <laughs> It'll get. I think it'll get everything done for you. So make sure you get online, go to manscaped.com, use the code RUGBY. It's waterproof. You can use it in the shower. You can get 20% off. Make sure everything is clean downstairs and you'll be looking bloody good. It was a very good game. The other game, the Chiefs-Landers, probably wasn't quite of the same quality or quite as entertaining, but the climax again going into that golden point extra time. Personally, I wasn't a fan of golden point extra time to start with. You know, I, I quite like the idea that after 80 minutes, if two teams are even, well, they're even. But after watching those two games, well, I was kind of like, well, well I like that. No, that I like right. it. I like yeah. it. I was, I was always a fan purely because you don't go out there to draw. Mm. That's, that's, I think as a player and now even still as a retired player, you, you don't go out there to draw. And, and the... I mean, the water cooler chat would be going off, the, you know, 
especially if you're a, you're a fan of the losing side and, and a fan of the winning side, either way you, you're going to be looking at it. You know, purely you look at the Chiefs landers, the Chiefs got out to a hot start and, you, you know, you got to admire the way they've fought their way back into the season. You talk of, we talk about the Hurricanes leaders and Crusaders leaders, the way you know, the way the Hurricanes ones stood up, the way the, the Crusaders ones fought their way back, and then you know the, the way the Chiefs leaders have just reformed their season, fought their way back. You know the guys like ALB, um, Luke Jacobson, uh, Weber, McKenzie, again four key players that really delivered on the night um, were crucial in big moments. Got out to a hot start, but then, you know, guys like Aaron Smith, Shannon Frizzell fight their way back into it. Josh Uwani, uh, Mitch Hunt, you know, might not have had the stellar game that was the week before, but stayed in the fight, you know, even under tough circumstances, he stayed in the fight and still, you know, orchestrated his team back into a position to take it to 23 all and give his team a sniff. And I think those are the sort of moments and those are the characteristics that everyone can get behind. And, and, and that's that's what I enjoyed about that game, and um, you know even Angus Tarvel as well. Sorry, didn't miss him off because I think you know that that type five's really starting to muss up on the Chiefs as well. And um, yeah, it's it's good to see, um, I suppose that 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 comeback sort of, you know, because I know they keep saying it, and I think they're going to keep saying it for the whole season because they'll try and live on it, and and Bryn will be able to jump in here, but. No one's giving us a chance, is what they keep saying. But like now, people are giving them a yeah. chance, and I think we've been giving them a chance pretty much since round one or two. We've we've credited them, saying there's been a big shift in their standards. But now they're a genuine threat because their breakdown. One, they're getting their set piece right. This will be a big challenge, line out time this weekend, um, and scrum time. But their breakdown, the the vicious cleans, the quickness of the ball really allows Weber, McKenzie. Anton into the game. Quintu Paia, I hope he's not too badly injured as well. He obviously went off, but he's you know he's a key cog because he's coming into his own. He's starting to really play to that you know uh, Bunnings NPC form at super level. And then you know you've got the the back three with Nano Satura who basically sidesteps raindrops in the spare time. Uh, you know and and Sean Stevenson coming off the bench. Jonah Lowe. So they've got enough of a nucleus in the backs, and that's probably where they had it over them. But now they're getting their, their game going. They're, they're really starting to hum. Highlanders, I know they're disappointed, but they've always got that fight in them. They just didn't. Their kicking game, they didn't kick as, as well as they'd like, or they just, it just wasn't as evident. Their, their tactically wasn't as evident in the past. But the one thing I did like, it was the most innovative I've seen them from set phase. Um, this season, which I really like because that's what we know Tony Brown for and, and and it felt like that you know, it was really exciting, they'd worked out a few things in the Chiefs um, and and you know that, that excited me from a viewing point of view Yeah, particularly uh, a play there was a wee, wee trick play there, Brendan Yeah, it was nice, James, Jimmy Lynch's one um, that was really good and I think it's, a, it's pretty common, it's a common way not down the blind side, a lot of teams if you would know, like most of the New Zealand teams end up having that little bus, you know, six plus one fun to play with the seven in the back. And then um, you send a guy down blind, you actually end up going open to where the transition, to go in the transition. But I think I liked about that is that there's actually a lot of cogs in that wheel with that move. Um, if you look at the play, um, Jonah Nariki is on the outside flying into that transition zone where normally if you're looking at the Highlanders, that's where they're going to attack with their special players. Um, and then Shannon Frizzell as well, painting to go to the open side took Brad Weber because obviously Brad Weber was thinking, oh, they're going to go open, which is pretty much all 
you would have seen through the preview if you preview the Hollanders. And then Jimmy Neiches is the big best I've ever seen him do, probably in his whole career. And then <laughs> going down the blind side. So yeah, we've talked about the innovation, um, especially with that try. But then I even look at um, one of the tries that they scored. It was who was it? Um, I'll just bear with me. Uh, well, Shannon Frizzell, his ability to be able to go through the line. I don't know if you saw that, Jip. They actually didn't end up hitting. If you're looking at um, the three forwards that they usually hit, they ended up hitting very similar to how the the, the, the Hurricanes hit. They hit the third forward, had the down line, and then it's out the back. And Shannon Frizzell went through that. Um, he actually went through Brad Weber. But again, it was just the innovation and being able to play the team that they're playing. Like when they played us, they ended up going down the short side, holding on to the ball. And then on the weekend, they had a little innovation around their face play attack, which, um, you know, Tony Brown's seen every time he plays. And so I think their preparation was good around that. But I think the difference I found was probably in that first half when they played us, is they, the points that they did get in the first half, they were rewarded. Because I found in that first half on the weekend, you know, Mitch Hunt obviously missed those two, those two goals and weren't able to get the points that they deserved and have that scoreboard pressure that they built against us. So... Um, that was probably the little bit of the difference between um, when they played us and I guess when they played the, the Chiefs on the weekend, not accumulating those points they did early on to have that scoreboard pressure to then put them under pressure like they did against us the previous week. Yeah, and I think also the accuracy of their kicking game as well. Like They just seemed to pin you guys all the time and it just felt like you were always running backwards. They just didn't quite have that same accuracy or the amount of kicking in the first half. But to go back to... Uh, Jimmy Lynchy's try and um, I think it was Aaron Smith's try uh, where Frizzell goes through that hole. I, I think you're right and the homework they did is the Chiefs are renowned to want to win races. So everything's about winning races around the corner and, and both of those tries are about coming back against the grain. Yeah. And, and so the Highlanders are like, OK, well, we're all about faking to go open and you know, Bryn talked about you know, um, Nareki going there, Frizzell going there, and then coming back about Lynchies. Well, it was the same. They threw over the back of the line-out, and, and um, Gregory runs hard into that transition zone again, and then all the Chiefs are trying to fold hard, and then they come back with a nice pass, and Aaron Smith, and, and, and they give that short ball to Frizzell, and then Aaron Smith on the inside for that try. But it's, it's a big body against Caleb Trask and Brad Webber. Because all those forwards are trying to win a race to get, because they, and it's a work ethic thing. But again, Tony Brown and, and his coaching group have done their, their work around that preparation, and, and that's that's where, you know, that that sort of you know Chiefs mentality gets the as a strength. But sometimes that can be a weakness. And I think you know, obviously coming up against the big boys this weekend, just want to get that balance right and make sure they get the right bodies in front of the the right bodies, if you know what I mean, and, and don't leave their little men against big men and, and get isolated. How much, Bryn, do you guys take note, let's say, as the Crusaders team of watching an innovation that Tony Brown comes up like that with? And, and how, how much use can that be on a week-to-week basis if the Chiefs have obviously seen it as well? Oh, I think I think it's massive. I think, um, you know, a lot of teams go through their preparation around the teams they play, and I think the biggest thing is being able to execute, execute that. So... You do your preview, you do, you do analysis for the week, but I think the biggest thing around it is you can have all the plans in the world, but you've got to be able to execute. And Jip, you brought it up around the breakdown. You know, for the, if I look at their Chiefs on, on when we play them on the weekend, you know, they're brutal at the breakdown. So, again, it's going to be a big challenge for us. And, again, it's just knowing that you've got to be able to execute. You can have all the plans in place, but if you don't execute your role within that, within that move at that time, you know, then those things, those tries that we've just talked about, they don't happen if you don't, if everybody doesn't nail their role. 
We talked a little bit about the drop goals earlier, but while we were on the execution topic, there were a lot of drop goals in both games. To what degree are Kiwi sides training drop goals from your experience, Jepro, and training getting into the positions to take drop goals? Yeah, well, I can only speak from a Blues position, and it was something we did train around tactically making sure we knew what we wanted to go to, what position we wanted to get to, but more importantly, how we wanted to position ourselves to, one, provide a little bit of a shield for our kicker. Um, you know, if a situation like on the weekend, if the kicker's not there, who's next up, uh, things like that. So it does get trained. Um, I think sometimes players will keep their cards close to their chests and play a little bit uh, dumb, I suppose, and say, oh, no, we, we didn't train that or things like that. So I it definitely, it's we're at too high a level not to consider that. You practice it and um, you go through those scenarios. Um, you know, It's not every week, but again, you know, there's different scenarios that we might find in the game. It might not just be a drop goal. It might be oh, we need to get a try or we need to get a, um, we need to hold on to the ball. We need to kill the game or scenarios like that. So, yeah, we best prepared as best as we can. And um, yeah, those, those, those conversations and those scenarios are definitely done in training. The Springboks are pretty good at drop goals. They are. Uh, now, they are preparing, obviously, for the Lions tour. Uh, I read this week that Bristol um, is a place where they might get all their internationals together to do some alignment camps. Yeah, if, they can, if, if they're allowed in. If they're allowed in and allowed to... Everything's against them, isn't it? Like, it really is. But in a way, that's the thing that the Springboks always respond to. Yeah. Well, I think that's where they're going to base themselves once they've played their first three rounds before the Rainbow Cup. Yeah. But their alignment camps are split up, so they're doing them the Sharks in Durban, um, Stormers in Cape Town, and then obviously the Japanese players are doing via Zoom, um, and then they've got um, someone based in the UK to do the UK. So it's all a little bit separate, but I think it's quite good because it's basically you cover your logistics, uh, you get a lot of your game plan imprinted, you get your language, so you can just you can wipe off so much you know, sort of admin stuff, and you get a lot of your knowledge down into your books and you can learn a lot of stuff. And then, you know, at that level, a lot of players would be visualising and can start thinking about it so that once they do get together, they can actually hit the grass and, and start, you know, running these things pretty much straight away. And, you know, there'll be a lot of excitement about it. And I suppose they'll, they will get some play in their super sides and club sides, and then when they come back together as, as a South African side, it won't be as foreign. H hard, hard to know how they're going to select it because, you know, they haven't seen a hell of a lot of footy. Mm. And so I think there's a lot of excitement for the players in that sense as well. So if they're invited to these Zooms or catch-ups, you know, you're a, real, you're a real chance to play a Lions tour for South Africa if you perform for your club side. Mm. So... One, you'd be attentive and you'd be getting everything down. And then it's literally roll your sleeves up, perform. And if, you, if, you, if you're a form player, you, you've probably got the inside running of selection because you've got to pick on form because probably runs on the board are not going to matter as much because there's been a year in between playing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So there's, there's so much on offer. And if you're... A, if you've got a low amount of caps or a high amount of caps, it's probably not going to matter as much as it normally would. There'll still be needed to be experience and things like that, and, and you will get, I suppose, reward for that. But there's more opportunity than normally there would be, I reckon, in the current setup. Oh, that's interesting. Because uh, the other school of thought would be that they haven't played in so long that you just go straight back to the 2019 stuff and repeat it. I know, but but 
they well, if you watch the Six Nations, yeah, the teams that did so well were actually the teams that probably had the most exciting game plans and the most mm. flair in, in conditions that sometimes were wet and, you know, I know they're playing in the South Africa so it might be, but I don't know what the conditions will be, but so, you know, you're going to have to, I believe, there'll be a lot more innovation, whereas if you looked at 2019 World Cup, it was quite a, I suppose, a, a forward-orientated, um, tactical kicking game plan, physical, dominant um, display by both sides. Mm. I feel that maybe that's um, you know sort of probably changed if you looked at, going based on the Six Nations. You know Wales were really innovative and, and changed. France, you know, although a little inconsistent, they were you know exciting to watch. Scotland, um, you know, playing really you know keep the ball alive sort of footy, chip and chase. Um, some players you know great over the ball, the wingers. So. Yeah, I, look. I'm again. It's really hard to comment because we haven't seen them play for so long. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm trying to. I'm trying to work out how the British and Irish Lions will play, based on what they've seen out of the Six Nations and who they're going to pick, and and you know what's the best situation for South Africa to run with. You know, because I think form has to count. Mm. Form does have to count, and and there is going to be that Rainbow Cup with uh, um, the South African sides coming over. They'll play each other first, and then they're coming over, hopefully, based in South and Bristol and play um, in, the, in the Pro 14 there. And, and that'll give them a great opportunity, one, to get against some opposition, but two, for the selectors to see some, some guys play. Razzi Rasmus and his crew must have to watch a lot of footy. It can't be that easy. You know, if you think about Ian Foster, he watches two games of footy a weekend, and that's really what he needs to select his team. Razzi Rasmus, he's got to scour the world. Yeah, but these guys are codeheads. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's, well, I guess uh, it's tough. It's, it's not it's not a perfect world like the last time the South Africans played was in 2019. You know, I think the fact that they are having camps in different parts of the world, it's the process that they have to go through. Look, they're at a position where, you know, the British and Irish Lions board is just, is just around the corner. So, at least Connor's just brought up a pretty good point around being, being engaged and, you know, they don't really have any days that they can afford to miss. So... The time that they do spend together, they're not gonna they've got to be able to make that make that happen right then and there because again, the fortunate thing that even though the British and Irish Lions haven't been together, you know, the other teams, you know, they've played two six nation competitions. So you talk around innovation chip and, you know, when you look at Wales and Scotland for example, my biggest thing is, you know, are they gonna have enough time to innovate in such a short amount of time? I think, you know, you do have campaigns for the six nation teams and even look at the this rugby championship teams which actually be able to play at test, test match level to be able to understand will this work, won't this work, whereas the South Africans, they haven't played for so long. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how they are going to play. Um, you know, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be tough because, again, they are codeheads and they'll I be know. able to have as many but new meetings. But yeah. Don't you have to think, like, we've got to give Rusty a bit of credit. Like, not a lot of people gave them a chance at the World Cup. And this guy... I mean, if anyone can do it, he knows how to build a campaign, yeah. and 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 he knows how to build a campaign using a backs against the wall mentality. So I, I just think I think he's had a lot of time to plan, and he'll have a really clear idea of the personnel and the characteristics he'll want in his squad, and that will be the people he's already got in touch with for these mm. these camps or these zooms or whatever it is. And they will go away from these camps 
alignment camps, are they? Alignment camps with, with a really clear picture of where their game's at, where they need to be playing, and how they need to make the, you know, how they need to be playing to make the squad. And all I'm saying is if you're a young guy, that's got to be exciting because it's a one-off tour. And if you're an experienced guy, you'll know, you know, you, you're going to have to lift your game and do it for your country. You know, like there's just so many things that will bring the best out of people. That's, yeah, and I, 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 just, I don't know. It would excite me as a player. Hmm. I definitely I agree with those with, with that. I just think the question needs to be asked around, you know, time off and not being able to be together. I think yeah, they'll go through their due diligence around preparation and, you know, they're a proud country. And look, you know, they're world champions for a reason. And, you know, they're good talk about New Zealand being so um, supportive of, of us as a rugby nation, you know, South Africa's in, in the same or even more with their supporting system. But I think for the fact that they just haven't played a lot of rugby. Um, the question has to be asked around, you know, are they at a disadvantage? The fact that they haven't played a lot of test matches, and that's why I'm just coming back to around the way that they will play. Will they go back to the, you know, how they've, they've played? Will they innovate? Will they have enough time to be able to innovate against a pretty strong British Lions team that have played footy, not together, but they've played some pretty competitive footy um, in that Six Nations competition? Yeah, well, they've. I mean, there's some guys that are in the alignment camps that still played plenty of footy, you know, like there's guys overseas, there's guys in Japan. I just think, you know, it's not... And there's still been some games within South Africa. Mm. You know, there's still been footy played. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, time will tell. Time will tell. Exactly. Yeah. Time will tell. Um, he's going to have his trusted people, uh, you know. I know it's hard because we haven't necessarily seen a lot, but guys like Hunter Pollard, Dwayne Vermeulen guys that he knows can do the business. Do you expect any movement away in those kind of key areas? I think he'll stick to his main leadership group and, and key players, but um, that's where I mean I feel like there will be opportunity for form. Mm. So there'll be slots, there'll be, there'll be guys that will be in already, I'd say, based on fitness, making sure that they're fit and still obviously perform yep. at, to an 85% level in the, in the upcoming games. Um, but I feel like form there, there will be space for form players to get in as well. Above all else, I just want to see Cheslin Colby again. Like, he's <laughs> so good to watch. I mean, you speak about innovation. You wouldn't know what he's going to do, which way he's going to step, <laughs> a sidestep, chip and chase. So, I mean, and they've, they do have a lot of talent, um, and, and so do the British and Irish Lions. So, although that... You know, they haven't played a lot together. I still think they'll put together, you know, a, a great campaign. And and it's not like they're going up against a sole nation that has played yeah. together a lot. Like, let's not forget the British and Irish Lions are putting a, a mixed squad together as well. So that has to be factored in. Mm. You know, like, it's not like they're just going up against England or... Um, the All Blacks, they're going up at a, a squad that has to gel and be moulded together as well. And if you think about that tour to New Zealand in 2017, the first test, they were nowhere near the side that they were in the second or the third. So maybe the, the South Africans have to hit them hard and hit them early, and that's their opportunity. Yeah, but then the South Africans might grow as the, as the tournament yeah. goes on as well.